I know there is a tendency sometimes in certain African countries to give a lot of things and every certificate from every training that they've ever been to and just all the extraneous information. If they didn't ask for it, do not submit it. And I say that because when you're on the Revere site, especially if a big RFA goes out, lots of applications are coming through. And you have to find a way to whittle down and sometimes the whittling down process is just, well, who paid attention and who did not? Hello and welcome to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, the podcast of African entrepreneurs. I'm Mark Israel, a CEO, startup coach and mentor, university lecturer, engineer and human being. And I have the pleasure of being your host for this episode. Today, we'll discover a company, a podcast and a woman, Michelle McKenzie. Shall I say she's more of a fae than a woman, actually, as she can help entrepreneurs to get access to free money. So to talk about real fairy tales, I'm very pleased to welcome Michelle McKenzie, founder of Agzella and host of the Where's the Funding podcast. Michelle, thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing? Mark, thank you for having me on the show. I'm doing well, thank you. Cool. So it's it's nice to have you as a guest today. So before we deep dive into our topic, I would like to plan the decor and um, so that you can tell us a little bit more about uh, the genesis of Agazella, what it does, and how you came up with the idea. Well, thank you for that. Um, I'll start with the genesis of my podcast, Where's the oh, Funding, sure. because yeah. that then led to Agazella. <laughs> okay. So I started Where's the Funding last year, right as the pandemic hit. Uh, so, you know, having time to sit and be still was time to also take action, right? Because you had time to really think about what it is that you really want to do. And this is something that I'd been thinking about for a while. Having worked in Africa for a number of years, working with the African Development Foundation for 10 years, which is a grant-making institution, and having come across plenty of entrepreneurs having this problem of access to funding. So both here in the United States and of course on the continent, for black entrepreneurs, it's not that easy to to access funding wherever you are around the globe. And we'd had conversations over time in coffee shops with two entrepreneurs in particular who were the first and second episodes of the podcast, Funayo Labi and um, Francesca, Opoku, who were in the Shea space, and I'd met them a number of years ago at the Global Shea Alliance. And I remember Funlayo said to us, oh, let's do a cheer up video for Francesca because we're looking to expand. So they collaborate together. Funlayo has a skincare brand that's in Whole Foods. I don't know if you know Whole Foods, which is sort of a premier natural foods uh, uh, supermarket that's been bought out by Amazon and they carry a lot of uh, natural skincare products. And so they're in Amazon and quite a number of stores and looking to expand to other stores. But what does that mean for your supplier? On the other side, it means that they also have to wrap up. And so Francesca makes the soaps that are part of Falayo's line. And she was just having a rough time and feeling really down. And as entrepreneurs, I think a lot of people can um, relate to, to being in that struggle and the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And so we sent her this video, chair video, and Palayo said to myself and my then co-host, I started with a co-host, why don't you two do a podcast to talk about some of these uh, struggles? We're like, well, yeah, sure, sounds cute. <laughs> <But> we- <laughs> really? 
we we didn't do anything for a while and I went on temporary duty in Niger for about three uh, three months at the end of 2019. And then my co-host called me and she's like, I think we should do the podcast. And I'm like, I think we should do it too. And so when I got back at the beginning of 2020, we're like, yeah, let's do it. And then, you know, you do what the novice people do. You're, you're spinning your wheels trying to figure out, well, how do I actually <laughs> do this podcast? Yeah. And then you realize that Anchor exists. I don't know what platform you use, Mark, but I use Anchor for my yeah. podcast. Like, We're using well, Buzzsprout. Kind of like podcasting for dummies. And I'm like, that's exactly what I needed. <laughs> and I'm this young man who um, was in like the AV club at the university that one of my friend teaches. And he, we sat with him for like 30 minutes. He showed us around the app and we're like, okay, yeah, I guess we're, we're ready to go. So we started the podcast and after doing the podcast for a while, I started thinking, what next? What's the next thing mm. that I could do to add to the podcast yeah. to add value, right? Because it's all about adding value True. for people. And so the next step was, to create a platform. And this is something I'd been think, thinking about for a while because having worked at ADF, we funded um, quite a few YALI fellows. So the Young African Leaders yep. Initiative out of the Obama administration, which is still around. Yep. And now there are YALI RLCs across the continent and, and things of that nature. And so having interacted with them and seeing what the, the repeated pain points are, thinking, what can I do to help solve some of these problems? Because entrepreneurship at the end of the day is about solving problems. And who are you solving these problems for? And what are the problems that you're solving? So I thought of doing Agazella to create a platform for learning. So the tagline for Agazella is learn, launch, scale. So it's really starting from the very beginning, right? Because one of the things I realized is that when it comes to funding and a lot of the incubators and accelerators that exist, a lot of them really cater to sort of these uh, more sophisticated, uh, mainly in tech businesses. But if you look at the businesses that exist across the continent, a lot of them don't really fit that space. It's a much smaller, and I think it's because the the traditional venture model that is in the US is sort of pushing its way there, but it doesn't really quite fit that ecosystem. And you look at a lot of the small SMEs that exist in Africa, and they're not necessarily in that space. And yeah. a lot of them are too small yeah. to absorb the types of funding um, at the level, the ticket size where a lot of those funding opportunities start. And everybody's crowding into the same space that's yeah. missing a lot of other people. Sure. And so the idea of Agazella is how do you create a space that catches those people yeah. that get left out, right? And so for the for most accelerators and incubators, they're competitive, right? You have to compete to get in. So yeah. for the people who didn't get into any of those, it doesn't mean that their need for learning and, and, and resources goes away. <laughs> they, they just know they don't have access. So trying yeah. to address the, the access issue and then knowing that, you know, with what I'm doing with an online um platform that creates access issues as well, right? Because you realize that you have to have access to internet, stable internet and all of that. But 
wanted to do something that was always there. So evergreen, it lives there. If finance is an issue to afford a course, because it's there, you can go save up. You know, when you find money, you come, you take it, it's there. And trying to do that with people who've been there, who are experienced to co-create these courses with them, to have these courses for these entrepreneurs when they have the time, because also time's an issue. Because to do an accelerator incubator before COVID, you have to dedicate a number of weeks, right? If not months to go into a program and going there back and forth. So if you don't have that opportunity to devote that time and to to travel and do all of that, then this is an option for you. That's where my thinking was when I created um, Agazella. I'll pause there in case you. No, no, it. it's a, it's, it's a, All it's right, a, I it, can keep going. <laughs> it's, it's a great story, and I, I completely relate to that. To working for, uh, you know, working with an incubator and an accelerator, um, we are actually we are onboarding fourteen startups these days in the uh, a new incubation program, and but they were close to 150 applicants at the beginning. So basically there are 90% who did not even make the grade. And I'm pretty sure that, well, and you probably know that out of those 90%, maybe, I don't know, 30%, 40% of those are not totally, well, the the, the, the project is not viable, but there are many, many others that sometimes needs a, you know, needs a nudge or just some help. And, uh, and actually that's a, it's interesting because one thing that I can relate to your story is how we I came up with funding my own business angels uh, practice, where as I was coaching startups, I realized that most of them don't need millions of dollars. Sometimes they just need you know two thousand, three thousand um, dollars, because that that's young people who are living with their parents and they don't need a lot, but they need to spend some money that they don't have on marketing, on, on legal advice and all those things. So yeah, they, make, they may have some at the incubator level, but sometimes they just need, well, to, to be accelerated a little bit and they need that, that small money that will you know, make the grade or not. And it's, it's not big things, it's a lot of small things. So what you're doing and what you're telling is, yeah, resonates a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And even the ones that are not yet viable, sometimes they're not viable because they didn't really start at the right place, True. at the right ideation, right? Yep. And they're, and sometimes maybe they just need to go back to the drawing board. And right now we are developing a course where we sort of walk them through from the ideation stage, how to just use the lean canvas model yep. to just think through. Because sometimes a lot of people start and they're like, I'm going to do this business, but they didn't put enough thinking yep. behind it yep. and ideation and mapping before they actually started. So starting them from there, then the next module is legal. Because that's the thing that a lot of people think they don't need and, and, and lawyers are expensive and, you know, it's just a money thing. But if you're in business, at some point, you will need a lawyer, whether it's your yep. contracts, if you're looking for funding, uh, funding agreements, you will need a lawyer. So And also taxes, compliance, things of that nature. You will need legal counsel at some point. True. So just giving people the basics of what they need, what they need to look out for. Um, then also looking at... Um, Financial management and accounting, getting your finances and your books in order. Yep. You can't scale or grow 
if you don't know where the money is going (laughs) and how that impacts your profit potential when you don't have a good handle on. And that's why the course is called From Passion to Profit. So like, okay, you've got this passionate idea. How do you then make it profitable and hold on to your profits by understanding what's going on with your finances? And then the fourth module will be on marketing and promotion, which is what a lot of people struggle with because you can have the best product or service in the world. But if you don't know how to present it to the world in a way that the world can see it and access it, then, you know, that gets you nowhere. Yeah. So that's something that's in development. But I started with what I knew best, which was grant writing, of course, mm. grant writing. And that course is already up and on um, the website. And so I wanted to be able to make my personal contribution to helping entrepreneurs connect to grant capital, because that's the one that I have the most experience in, having worked in a grant-making institution that services uniquely the African continent and being on the reviewer side of things. So it's one thing to tell people, okay, this is how you put the grant together, but what are reviewers looking for? Yeah. You know, and, and what are the things that you can do? And sometimes it's just simple things that you can do to improve your application to get from the trash can to the funded pile. And so putting that information together. So I collaborated with a friend of mine who is a professor of nonprofit management and a grant writer and nonprofit manager herself to put this course together. So she okay. does the the grant writing side of things and I come in on the reviewer and post the award side. What are the expectations and all of these things to give grant seekers a very clear idea of not only how to write a grant that really connects and, and tells an, an intriguing story and that story connects in a, uh, a logical way to your budget. Yeah. Because I know you've seen, if you've done any grant reviews, you've seen sometimes that there's a big disconnect between uh, the storytelling part and the narrative and, and what they want to do and, and the budget. And that's where a lot of people have a lot of trouble. So how to really put that together and tell a really compelling story. And having worked on the continent for a number of years, Need is, is, is a real thing, but need is not a compelling enough story because lots of people need money. So to get away from that and really focus on what it is, what's the change that what you're doing is trying to create and connect at, at that level. And that's, yeah, and, and that's interesting, actually. So I think that we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back on that course. But um, I was actually just before um, the two of us are having conversation. So I, I was in a in a, with the Research Research and Innovation Council on a panel to attribute grants. Okay, so we review uh, reviews, well, uh, grant requests, um, and and what you're saying about need is there. Let's not get confused. The world need more money. Uh, companies, NGOs, uh, you name it. Okay, everybody looks for more money. However, how do we create a story? A real, and when I say sorry, it's not just on a, on, you know, it, it's not a fairy tale. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just how, what, what are you going to do with that money? It's and your I remember, story. yeah. And I remember having, so we just reviewed one, one of the, of the requests, and, and my feedback was, I like what they're saying now, but I dislike what they will be saying in the next future because, yes, we're doing an impact now, but 
do we create a tidal wave or is just a wave that will stop on the shore? Because it's, yes, it's, it's great to give $20,000 or $30,000 to a company. Fantastic. Great. I know that the guys can deliver, but can, can they sustain? And, and the business they were trying to build or the ideas they were trying to nurture doesn't seem to be sustainable. They haven't gone to that level of thinking. And the Lean Canvas that you were talking about is one of those tools that you can use really to expand your idea, to look at the big picture, what are the different forces, customers, and, and so on. So yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. So Coming back, sorry, to the um, to, to the grant course um, or to the you know learn how to write a grant application that gets funded as your course is entitled. So I'm intrigued. So can you give us you know insiders information? What does work? You know what is the tips and tricks? <laughs> you know the, the 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 one of the biggest tips that I have, and it's a simple one, and it seems so banal but it's actually to pay attention. Okay. Pay attention to what the requirements are for a grant. So make sure that you are submitting the information, only the information that is required. I know there is a tendency sometimes in certain African countries to give a lot of things and every certificate from every training that they've ever been to and just all this extraneous information. If they didn't ask for it, do not submit it. And I say that because when you're on the Revere site, especially if a big RFA goes out, lots of applications are coming through and you have to find a way to whittle down And sometimes the whittling down process is just, well, who paid attention and who did not? And unfortunately, it's not the best way, but it's just a way of culling through to get to, okay, who knows how to follow instructions, right? And who gave me all of what I needed to be able to effectively evaluate their application or proposal. And sometimes that's it. So I say, just pay attention and follow instructions. If it says, you know, limit your narrative or whatever to five pages, then try your best to limit it to five pages. Because if I, as an individual reviewer, have a hundred applications or proposals to review, I don't want to entertain more than five pages because it's a, it's a time sink and a mental sink (laughs) to read all of those things. So if you make it easier on your reviewer, you improve your chances of getting through. Now, the quality of your application has to be well, but sure. uh, you know, well organized and all of that. And that's a part of making it easy on your reviewer so that they can follow your logic and they yeah. can see where you're going. And I always say kind of like lead with the end in mind so that True. they get a sense of where this is going. Like, I don't want to get to page five to, to find out what you're actually trying to say. Try to pull me in early so that I stick with you and say, okay, I see. And the people who do that the most successfully are the ones who get through. The ones who are able to connect to what the funder cares about and what they're looking for. And another thing, and I think you've seen this, Mark, is when I say follow instructions, if if the, the RFA says that we're only looking for projects in this particular sector or category, that's exactly what they mean. <laughs> yes. If you're not in that sector or category, yeah. 
Like we're not going to change our minds just because you put in your application and you need money. Like you're just creating a backlog and creating more work for people on the reviewer side. So just don't do those things. Right nah, and, I, and I and I love that this is gold. This is gold. And, and, and I, while you were talking about, well, if, 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 if we ask for a five-page write-up, the first idea that came to mind is, no, it's font size 11 or 12. Don't try to sneak in font five, okay? Because you want to pack more things. Yeah, no. because if I Make can't it read it yeah, and no I need a magnifying glass, then I'm also not going to read it, right? Because in my head, it's also, it, it's tantamount to you not following instructions. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> I'm like, you're trying to bend the rules like by doing something because, you know, this is not five pages. <laughs> this is probably like eight pages and you're trying to get it on five by exactly. giving me a font that I can't read. And so I'm not going to read it because I will then put it aside and read the application of the person who followed the instruction and I can actually read <laughs> their yeah. application. No, and, it's, and, and that's an interesting piece as well. And I love the fact that, you know, it's just going back to the basics. Read the instructions. Provide everything and anything that is asked, not less, not more. Don't try to be smarter than the guy. You know, if, if you think that, oh, yeah, but he or she should have asked for this or that, I'm going to give him or her that. No, well, it's, it's I'm sorry. It's just follow the instructions, as you said. That's uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. So it's golden nuggets. Thank you very much for that. So I, I want to, to maybe go back to, um, and that's a segue into your podcast, uh, because a podcast is entitled Where's the Funding? Okay. Mm-hmm. So grant is one thing. So I'm pretty sure that oh, you've, you've you know, released a lot of episodes. Um, so I, I'm, I'm asking the question is, where's the funding? What do, you, what do you talk about in the podcast? Because it seems like well, there are grants, there are loans, there are lots of ways to get money, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that there's good ways and bad ways or easier ways than <laughs> others. Funny enough, I haven't even talked that much about grants on the podcast, really? which is the thing that I know the most about. And I'm actually going to do a few episodes talking about grants. Nice. So what I so how the format of the podcast is to talk to entrepreneurs and also people on the funding side of things. So okay. we use the storytelling format. So entrepreneurs come on and talk about their entrepreneurship journey, the highs and the lows and how they found funding to to launch or scale their business so like learning from them like what are some of the opportunities that you've been able to tap into and then on the funder side of things so i've had you know vcs and private equity and 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 angel investors a good friend of your umalinga was on the podcast talking about you know what are the different options and opportunities that are out there for finding funding and also what should entrepreneurs do to um, make themselves worthy of funding and to become sort of investment ready, as yes. they say, like, what are yes. the things that you need to do? And so bringing on those people so that they can hear it from the horse's mouth. So these are the people who are on the nice. other side of that. And they're telling you, these are the things that you should look out for. They talk about their, their, their particular um, mechanism, what they do, whether it's private equity where they fund, what they fund. So it's giving them access to to those people and those opportunities. 
as well. Um, in the next episode that I'm going to release, I, I, I had a great conversation with a young man in, um, of Zimbabwean background who resides in Belgium, who's written a book called The Black Opportunity. I think it's dropping soon. It might already be on Amazon where he chronicles looking at the VC space Mm-hmm. In, 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 in Europe. So it's like conversations around Afro-European VC. We know there's a lot of uh, banter and a lot has been written and, and some numbers that have come out on the VC space in the U.S., but no one has really looked at the VC space in, in Europe. In Europe, And yeah. then just looking at, you know, how, how that whole ecosystem kind of functions. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for Black entrepreneurs, whether mm-hmm. you're in Europe or on the continent? And one of the things that he talked about was that, and there was an article that came out, I think, last year, is that even on the continent, it's easier for a white entrepreneur <laughs> to, get to get funded. And it seems like yeah. as a Black entrepreneur, you have to have a white co-founder to kind of like open the Crazy. door for you, which, which, which is disappointing and even on the continent that is how things work as well where you know a lot of these entrepreneurs on the continent feel as if they have to get a white co-founder to help open up doors for them because it's crazy the people with the money you have to think you have to follow the money where's the money that make up the funds on the continent coming from it's either coming from europe or the u.s and people are funding what they're familiar with right so the types of business that they're familiar with so Again, why you see a lot of money going to these sort of tech businesses and things like that. And then they're funding like, you know, the kind of people that they're they're used to. And, you know, even with gender, you 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 get this this the same yes. type of thing. So there there's there is an issue there. And 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 so it's a very interesting and, and timely book to add to the conversation around um, the VC ecosystem and funding space and and how you know, if you're black, no matter where you are in the world, there are challenges to accessing funding and that a lot of work still needs to be done. I know last year in the U.S. during the protests and all of yeah. that, lots of um, funds and, and, and you know, stepped up and made these commitments. But it's yet to be, yet to be seen if they're actually going to commit sure. money towards and how equitable the distribution of some of those funds that were created to support black entrepreneurs will actually be. And, and it's and it's it's interesting because um, I'm I'm currently struggling as well from a from a an investment perspective, you know, um, with with my practice because well I've I've been I've been working in Africa for the last fifteen years and so I've I've met a lot of young entrepreneurs, older entrepreneurs, different types of companies, and um, and and my gut feeling tells me that those guys have incredible ideas um, that no one in the US or in Europe or in Asia would have because that applies really to their business. And therefore, they are misunderstood. When they're looking from from abroad, people don't understand because they apply, and particularly from Europe or the US or China, they apply their way of thinking. And they cannot see the big picture of that. those guys. If you've never been to um, you know, a, a slums in Nairobi where you will never, ever be able to think like somebody who lives there. Uh, if you've never been to Zimbabwe and, and, you know, well, drive or walk 20 kilometers to get just a bottle of water, 
Well, if you if you somebody who can solve that problem says, yeah, well, that's it's it's not a market. What are one billion people in Africa make? Okay, so you need to change the thinking. But that that's a problem because sometimes I'm you know, and I'm I'm actually I completely relate to what you're saying because sometimes I would bring great guys, lots of people look at them says, yeah, but and they see all the problems. Says, don't look at the problem. Look at the look at the opportunity. <laughs> And the mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah, it's it's not Paris, it's not New York, it's not Beijing, that's for sure. But it's, it's not Silicon Valley. Yeah. You know, it and, and that's the thing too. You're right about the mindset that then gets brought to an ecosystem that is different. And if you don't really understand how those ecosystems operate, you can make some quick snap judgments based on what you're using. Like, okay, this won't work, blah, blah, blah. But you have to understand, you know, that that environment. And if you don't, then you can completely miss a great opportunity. And that's the thing about entrepreneurship, right? You get a lot of no's. And a lot of no's are tied to um, just lack of knowledge about you and where you come from and how things work, where you come from. So somebody from the outside might not understand it as well and miss the opportunities. And that's why it's it's necessary to have, you know, African investors, you know, who are on the continent, who are familiar with how that ecosystem works to provide, also provide funding um, to a lot of startups because, and, and, and might be willing to take on a little bit more risk because a lot of these funders are very risk averse and understanding that, um, the ecosystems can be risky, but that there could be great rewards when something really does work. So believe it or not, but we're getting close to the end. It's just, uh, woo, it flew so fast. Time flies. Yeah. Uh, but I got one last question, and this is our signature one. So we really want to hear from you. So you've been basically on, on both sides. So, you know, giving grants or you know providing grants at the same time creating your own ventures through uh, uh where's the funding and the gazella so what what would be your one advice or, or you can give two or three if you want but one advice to young or aspiring entrepreneurs i think based on my experience is to spend more time at the ideation and planning phase being very clear, clarity is a great thing. Like yeah. having real, like be able to really think through, not just the today, but the tomorrow. And I know oftentimes when people are in a situation where there's a lot of lack, they tend to focus on the today a lot because no one really knows what tomorrow is going to bring. But when you're trying to build something that could be bigger than you, you have to think a little bit further down the line. And so wanting to that, and that's why with that course I mentioned that I'm, I'm developing, just wanting to start at the beginning um, with greater clarity. And even if you've already started, you might have to pause sometimes and, mm. you know, sometimes and go back to the drawing board and like, where is this going? Where do I yeah. want it to go? What are the res- key resources that I need to really make it go. And I I think that we need to be encouraging more people to think of doing more businesses that can potentially scale. And scale doesn't necessarily mean that 
it has to be international, but even scale within the country, right? To be bigger than just where it started. I agree. And because that's where you're going to get the opportunities for it to grow into something that can really generate employment for others and become a sustainable entity that can really uh, contribute to enterprise-driven development, right? So to get people in that mindset that this is not just a thing for you to eat right now, but to really create something that many others can eat many years from now. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks very much uh, for this uh, golden advice again, Michelle. So, uh, and thanks to uh, all of our uh, listeners who tuned up and are listening to this episode. So uh, you've been listening to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, the podcast of African entrepreneurs. I'm Mark Israel, co-founder and CEO of the Talk Collective, so the company behind Entrepreneurs Talk Africa. And today we have the immense pleasure of hosting Michelle McKenzie from Where's the Funding podcast and Agazella. Make to- sure you go check out my podcast too, folks. Definitely, uh, we'll go and and we'll you'll find the links so the Anchor FM link directly to your podcast in the show notes, uh, as well as to Gazella and your different courses. So I went yesterday to your website and I saw that wow, you are releasing courses as fast as possible. So that's great. So before our next episode, thank you for taking ten seconds to give us five stars on the podcast app you're using. It really helps us. And thank you in advance. And see you next week for more inspiration and action from across the African continent.